Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by author Simone St. James to talk about her latest novel, The Book of Cold Cases. So thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about The Book of Cold Cases? Uh, Sure. It's my sort of mashup of true crime and suspense thriller paranormal ghost story with just a little bit of romance in it all those things in one um and it's basically the story of a infamous serial murder case from the 70s which is one i made up not a real case and um a woman was arrested for the murders and she was acquitted and the murders were never solved And in the present day, a true crime blogger gets the opportunity to interview her and to find out what really happened back in the 70s. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a trip. So, um, yeah, that's I just sort of took a lot of the different genres that I really love to read and, and kind of put them all into one book. I love it. Well, I thought it worked. And you answered one of my questions, which was going to be, was there inspiration for the Beth Greer character or case? Well, I mean, it's a, it's it's based a l- very, very loosely maybe on like the Zodiac case, which was a case of a man in the, he was the late 60s, early 70s, and he was randomly killing people in um, the San Francisco area and sending notes to the newspapers about it. And he was never caught. No one ever, no one was ever arrested for that. So, I mean, it's, I, I was, you know, I've consume a lot of true crime i read a lot of true crime and uh, you know that's one of the big one of the big cases that true crime various true crime is you know obsessed with and i was just reading about it and i just thought well what like what if you had a case like that but your suspect was a woman and i realized that it isn't just a simple flip like if if your suspect is a woman everything about that story changes like everything like how it's investigated how it's written about in the media how it's presented in the courts how it's seen by the public like every single thing changes about it and that really fascinated me so I decided I would write sort of through through all the ways that it changes things but of course I can just use a fictional case so it's set up however I I need it to be Um, so that's really the the basis of the inspiration was just I really wanted to explore how everything changes if you have flipped it that way It's very interesting. Okay, yeah, now that you say that, I do see that with, like, the notes that were left at the crime scene. Yeah, it's a little bit Zodiac-like, and there's even, like, the in the book, you know, someone has written a book called Who Is, Was She the Female Zodiac or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a little bit Zodiac-like, but I just changed a lot of the details, obviously, um, because it was just sort of a basis of it. The Beth Greer timeline is in the 70s. As someone who consumes a lot of true crime do you think there's a difference in the way that women who commit murder were depicted differently in the 70s than they would be today there is but you know in a way not as much as you might think um you know there's still that you know even in i have it in the 70s you know like there's even a lot of when they wrote about her it's like well she doesn't cry enough she doesn't seem sad enough like there's a lot of judging whether she behaves the way a woman is supposed to behave and i think we that you know if you had that case today you'd still get you still get a lot of that like she doesn't seem to be too sad or she's sad enough or too sad or crying too much or i think it's phony and there's a lot of that sort of women get judged that way so you know in a way yes things are 
are different would be different, but um, in a lot of ways, kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the other timeline, we have Shay, who's a true crime blogger, and she often talks about the idea of, you know, writing this stuff and being into true crime as therapeutic, and she kind of uses it to deal with her trauma. And I guess, what is your relationship to true crime or dark material? I mean, yeah, I I love true crime. And at the same time, I often even just wonder to myself, why do I love it so much? I mean, I've asked myself that question a lot. And um, I think that um, for a lot of people, I, there's also, a, you know, there's specifically uh, true crime is extremely popular with women. And um, so a lot of people like to wonder, like, well, what are women getting out of this? And, you know, in some ways, it seems kind of ghoulish. And there is that aspect to it. But um, I think that for a lot of women, um, reading about true crime and discussing true crime is kind of a way to talk about scary things that have happened to us without actually having to share scary things that have happened to us. And whether it's specifically like crime or whether it's just a situation you were in where you were uncomfortable and, you, and you're thinking back on it and going, you know, that could have gone really wrong or... I shouldn't have been on that street at night with those people, you know, like I should have made a different decision and that could have gone wrong. So so we all have those sort of situations in our life. And we, you know, I think that true crime is a way for us to think about those things and process them and discuss them without actually sharing our experiences. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that's, it's a, you know, you just kind of transfer that fear and that anxiety onto someone else's story and it's a little easier to cope with than actually thinking about something that might have happened to you or could have potentially happened to you. Yeah, and I I do see that with Shay and I don't want to say she gets flack from her sister because I think they have a good relationship for the most part. But her sister's like, why are you into this? Like, this is so morbid. Like, I just, I don't understand (laughs) why you're into this. That's a topic they can't talk about. They just don't connect on that topic. She's just like, I just don't understand why you love this so much. Because Shay has her own trauma in her past. And so she's gone really deep into the true true crime hole. It's not just like a, a sort of a vague hobby or like she occasionally reads the odd book. Like she's really getting into an obsessive territory, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, her sister definitely finds concerning. So you often blend genres when you write, as we spoke about earlier. What do you think makes kind of supernatural elements and mystery thriller such a great pair? I don't know. I I just, I know that um, when I started, I really wanted to write books that were scary, that are not horror. Like, I don't write horror. I'll say that. (laughs) But like, I like in in that... um, um, my books tend to end very positively, and that's not usually the the that's not usually the trope in horror. Um, you have like a really sort of cathartic, you know, everything you know, a really cathartic violent ending is kind of one of the tro- one of the fun things that when you read horror. And I don't usually do that, and so I wanted to, but I wanted to write something that was scary, like really genuinely scary. But that as a reader, I would kind of know that everything was going to end up okay. <laughs> so it's a little less stressful. So I just, and that's just hard to find. And so I, I, um, I tend to like write the thing, the book that I'm looking to read, but I can't find. And that's kind of what it was. So I, and I definitely wanted to write ghost stories. I wanted them to be like supernatural. It's not a question. It's not a question of, 
you know, is this just somebody's psychosis? Is this maybe not happening? Like it's happening. Like the supernatural stuff in my books is happening. Um, it's quite dangerous. It's quite scary, but, um, I wanted that, but I also wanted some softer elements to it. Um, I wanted, I, I always put a romance subplot in my books, which is almost a really rare and pure horror. So I just, I just wanted to blend things sort of to my own taste, my own reading <laughs> taste. <laughs> and nobody was writing it. So I had to write it myself. Well, I love that. You see something in the world that you fill a need that's in the world, you know? And I, you know, when I wrote my first book before I had an agent, before I had a contract and I was like, look, if I am the only person who wants to read this, then so be it. But I want to read it. So even <laughs> if I'm the only person who ever reads it, <laughs> at least I satisfied myself. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said, like, I love mystery thrillers. And it is nice to go into something knowing like, at the end, this is all going to be tied up, you know, we're going to have an answer to everything. And you know, sometimes you want a darker experience. Sometimes you want that cathartic, really, really dark experience. And you just want to go like, how dark can it go? And you just kind of want to go down, mm-hmm. down that, down that black hole. But some, you know, other times you don't other times, or at least I don't other times I just want it to I feel like I know I want to feel like I'm going to land somewhere that, you know, that is a little happier. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's a big range within the the mystery thriller genre from like the cozy, you know, quaint small town mysteries, which I, I also like. They have their place. And the, you know, really dark and violent. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely something out there for everyone. What is your history with the spooky like have you always really been into ghost stories um well i it started when i read started reading stephen king when i was about 11 or 12 at least so um i have an older brother and he had stephen king books on his bookshelf and i would read my brother's bookshelf and my parents paid no attention to what i was reading (laughs) (laughs) so so that worked out great for me because I got to read it way stuff that I should not have been reading at all. Um, so I've always, Stephen King is one of my big influences as so many writers today working today actually are influenced by Stephen King. Um, I personally, like I don't have, uh, I've never seen a ghost personally. I've never experienced that. But um, my whole thing is that I just, I think it's possible. I think anything is possible. Um and my books are all about like well is it possible is it possible that this you know what you know this thing would you you think maybe it isn't real what if it was what if you know and i really like exploring that area of possibility uh that almost anything is possible um i just find that really fun to write about i find it really fun to go down those different corridors and take all those left turns and and think about what's possible and write about well, what if it was real then what would happen well, then what would your characters do <laughs> and that's the fun of it for me yeah well I mean speaking of that what do you start with first when you're writing a book I mean I'm assuming a mystery like how does that get planned out do you know the ending going into that is it just a premise at first like how does that start yeah at first at first it's always a question right in my mind like the very first part of the idea is you know, if you had, you know, again, like say with this book, you know, well, what if you had this case and maybe this woman is a serial killer? Well, and then even in my mind at first, the question is, well, is, 
is she a serial killer? Like, did she do it? Did she not do it? How, how would, how, what happened? Like what happened? So I want to, when I first get the first concept, I want to know what happened. I want to know what the truth is. Um, so it always starts with a question for me and um, characters show up very, very soon in that process. Um, I think about these people and I think about what kind of secrets they're hiding. And, and then I think about, well, what I really want to know the answer to this. And so as I build the story out, I, I come up with sometimes a couple of different solutions to the mystery. Um, and, um, you know, get rid of the ones that don't work. When I'm, when I'm writing, I, I do know the answer to the mystery. Um, I kind of know, like I know sort of where it's going. I don't have everything outlined chapter by chapter for sure. I don't have every character nailed all the way down. A lot of stuff comes out in the writing, but I do, I have a general sense of what the answer is as I start writing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask when you spoke about it earlier, but what was your first Stephen King book? Um, the very first one I ever read was probably The Dead Zone, which actually is one of his less horrifying books, although it is it is a brilliant book. I, I've actually read it. I, I read my first copy of that so many times it act literally fell apart like it was a it was a mass marker paperback and all the pages came out. Um, and the second one I read was Firestarter. I had a copy of Firestarter that had um, the picture of Drew Barrymore on the front from the movie. And um, that book I read until it fell apart. <laughs> so those were the early ones that those were, and again, th I, those were his, those were his books that were coming out at the time because I was pretty young. So um, yeah, those would be the first two. I, I definitely, the first two I remember reading. And do you have a favorite? Um, I, I, I do love The Stand. Uh, I do love, I still love Firestarter and The Dead Zone, actually. I've reread both of those books recently and they hold up extremely well. So does The Stand. Um, of his more recent stuff, I do love 112263. That's a really good book. Um, I haven't read every, it's any, anyone who is a devoted Stephen King reader is, has a hard time keeping up with him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. He comes out you know, with like at even least a, a book a year. Fan, even the devoted fan is like, oh, what, that book? When did that come out? I, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> so I have not read a hundred percent of everything he's written for sure. Especially in recent years, I've had a hard time keeping <laughs> up. Um, but um, I do, I do love his stuff very much. I love that. Um, I was going to say, so the podcast Books in the Freezer gets its name from the Friends episode where Joey yeah, puts The Shining in the freezer. And so that's kind of our, our scale that we work with, like really scary books go in the freezer and then like, you know, approachable stuff is room temperature. Are there any books that you would consider freezer books? Well, Stephen King's It, I oh, have yeah. never got, I, I have never gotten all the way through. Really? That's one of his I've never gotten all the way through because <laughs> I get um, even the first couple hundred pages of that book, like before they go back to Derry and and it, and it just like the character, like it's it is so scary. <laughs> that book is so scary. <laughs> um, so it is one I have never finished because it is too scary for me. Um, I read another book. Um, 
called I Remember You, which is by, and I will never pronounce her name. So I apologize to her. She's an Icelandic author. And it is about, it is takes place in Iceland. And it it's about this couple that has bought this remote house and they've decided to renovate it all by themselves in the middle of nowhere. And there's something in the house with them. And it is terrifying. It is terrifying. I did finish that book, that book. I, I got through it, but it was like, um that is definitely a freezer book like you would be reading it and then it would be like i have to put this in the freezer for a little while and go do something else (laughs) um that book scared the socks off me that was a really really good book i haven't read that one yet but i've heard a lot of people recommend it and say that truly scary ghost story truly good really really good have you seen the any of the it adaptations or are you not a big i did see the first one i think i saw it in the theater i think my husband dragged me to see it in the theater and it didn't terrify me as much you know, as a movie um um i have not attempted the book in several decades so maybe the book <laughs> isn't as scary as i <laughs> i mean the movie i found scary and entertaining but um i don't know the book uh i just the book defeated me i couldn't i couldn't do it <laughs> it won it won. <laughs> I don't even think that's an insult to Stephen King. I think that's a compliment. Probably. I'm sure he would wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Are there any types of stories you would like to write someday? Like, is there like, oh, someday I would really like to write a book about this? Um. Yeah, I don't even have a specific storyline in mind, but I have always wanted to write a vampire book. Really? I've always wanted to write a vampire book. And um, when I first got published, I, I wrote my first published novel in 2010 and um, it got accepted for publication. And they were like, do you want to write something else? And even back in 2010, I was like, I want to write a vampire book. And in, at that time in 2010, my publisher said, absolutely not. You cannot write a vampire book. Absolutely not. Well, you think 2010, it was Twilight. Yeah, I was going to say. In publishing, like basically Twilight sort of nuked all of every vampire book for, I guess, at least a decade at this point. (laughs) I think maybe there are vampire books. Maybe vampire books are coming back out. But there was a long period of time where no one in publishing would even say the V word because they would not publish a vampire book because Twilight had just decimated the entire. you, You would not sell a single copy if you put a vampire book out because Twilight was out so that they were like you cannot write a vampire book and so i've had to wait a long time and so that's always been in the back of my mind as i say i don't have a specific storyline in mind but it's always been something i've wanted to write is come up with a really good vampire book story and maybe the time will come when my publisher will actually consider it (laughs) maybe twilight it was long long enough ago at this point i think i think twilight's reign has ended and it's time for yeah, 2010 okay. was the wrong time, but maybe 2022, I can I can get away with it. That makes sense. But I was thinking like, oh, isn't everyone all about vampires now? So don't we want to make, like, don't we want to put out more vampire stories into the world? That's why, and I, I was just like, I, I didn't want to write a Twilight type vampire. I yeah. wanted to write like an old school, like undead, you know, coming out of the woods, undead thing coming out of the woods. And, and they were just like, no. Nope. If it's a vampire, we won't sell any copies. It's no way. Maybe they were wrong. I don't know. Publishers aren't always right. But that's what they told me at the time. They were like, nope, nope. Come up with something else. So I wrote another another ghost story (laughs) at that time. Uh, I did have a question from Danielle on Patreon. I think we might have covered it, though. She wanted to know what was the first spooky book you loved. 
Um, this first spooky book was definitely, yeah, The Dead Zone or Firestarter. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I didn't read a ton of other spooky stuff. I, did, I'm, I do remember reading Interview with the Vampire around that time, too. Um, Interview with the Vampire is le- not less of a scary book. Even at the time, it didn't yeah. seem all that scary. It was more, it was almost like more of a fantasy novel a little mm-hmm. bit. Um but um, you know, it was vampires. It was a lot of fun. Um, so that would also be around that time too. I read Interview with the Vampire. I was going to ask. I'm like, so did you read any vampire stories when you were younger? Is that what sparked this idea? I, you know, I was at that age before you know the YA fiction boom. It was pre Harry Potter. It was pre Twilight. It was pre Hunger Games when I was that age. So. That when you got when you outgrew your kids books at that time in the 80s when you outgrew your little kid books then you just had to find stephen king interview with the vampire some some of us found like our mom's danielle Steele books and um but you would just had to find oh you know you had to find like some adult books that were kind of inappropriate but there was nothing yeah. that was written for teens or young teens yeah did you get on the vc andrews train too um, I did. I did. I read Flowers in the Attic. I mean, even at the time, I, I really didn't like that book. I should probably try it again. It's actually probably <laughs> entertaining to read. Maybe maybe it's not. But um, I remember not being enamored of that book. And But I do remember liking Interview with the Vampire. And then I read Vampire Lestat. And I this is a lot, so long ago, but I remember even at the time, there's a point in that book where Lestat becomes like a rock star. Yep. Even as even at that point, I was like, "This doesn't. I'm not buying it." <laughs> it's really weird. I mean, it's a bit of a trip. That book is a bit of a trip. And then I think I I think the series lost me after that book. I think that's where I dropped off too. I just didn't. I was like, really? I don't know about that. Anyway, I mean, I didn't have an issue with that though. I guess because I had seen Queen of the Damned before going into the vampire list stat so i think i was prepared for the like and then we become a rock star that's just what happens <laughs> i know yeah you know and like as a you, as a writer I, you just go well kudos to ann rice who was just like this is my plot this is the plot and take it or leave it <laughs> so i'm just writing it <laughs> just and you're gonna buy it <laughs> you know what and people did yes like, i actually just rewatched interview with the vampire last night and i was like this holds up yeah, the movie holds up. I think so. Yeah, theater. yeah, I definitely saw it in the theater. So, are you working on anything now? Uh, yes, there is another book that will be coming. I can't say too much yet because we have to nail down all the details. Um, but yes, there is another book coming. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of it's this book. This next book has a good dose of uh, let's just say it has a good dose of X Files in it, which is another Ooh. one. My another one of my influences growing up. I mean, it was that was more of my college years, not my childhood years, but um, yeah, definitely has a bit of a dose of that in it. Love that. I was all, also watching that earlier this week, so I'm oh, X Files holds up. I mean, the the visual effects don't yeah. yet, but the uh, acting and the lines and the a lot of the episodes hold up incredibly well. I yes i think that too like i'll be watching it and it'll get to the end credits and i'm like it's so good i it's so good no complaints and you just got that that back and forth the scully and Mulder back and forth and you're like this is still so good like they're both so good and 
the chemistry is so good and the dialogue is so good between those two and it's just so watchable it's so much fun it absolutely is yeah the visual effects one time i was watching it and my husband came home and i think it was the darkness falls episode but it was just the weird like early computer effects and my husband was like what is this <laughs> i know <laughs> i know and one of the beautiful things about x-files too is that you know jillian anderson you know one of the most beautiful women in the planet and she's in those boxy suits like and it they, they like the entire series like she is in those boxy suits the entire series like they didn't they never they never did like an episode where it was like oh they have to investigate a case at the beach and so scully has to wear a bikini you know like and you know any like a lot of if you had a woman that beautiful in your show in the 90s you think a lot of shows would be tempted to do that it was like nope She's wearing her suits. <laughs> Scully does not wear anything with those suits and that's it. That is funny. Yeah, I guess the the business wear of the 90s. Because I was thinking back to even procedural shows that I liked in the 2000s. And when they had a hot lady on the cast, it's like, yeah, she would show up to the crime scene in heels and like, you know, a really tight blouse. And it's like, yeah, I'm the hot cop. <laughs> you know, they wear like, you know, tight jeans. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Scully did not wear tight jeans. It's pretty great. <laughs> pretty bold, pretty bold fashion move. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we still we still recognize that she is drop dead gorgeous. Oh my god, uh, she did not need to wear. I mean, she did not need to wear from the neck down. You don't need to see her. <laughs> She's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, one of the traditions that we have on the podcast is to ask our guests for a chilling obsession. So this is something in horror or spookiness that you've been enjoying lately. Uh, easy one. Very, very easy. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix uh, blew me away. I loved it. Loved it. Uh, have watched it twice. Well, I have no doubt I will watch it again um absolutely adored midnight mass so good it is good mike flanagan just like hits it out of the park with these series i love everything he does i've watched all of his you know all the series and i've watched dr sleep dr sleep is so good Mm -hmm. i would say it's a tough thing but midnight mass is my favorite thing he's made so far really in my opinion my favorite but he's working on something else right now so that could easily change yeah he's doing the follow the house of usher he is. He also has like a Goosebumps type project, I think. Uh, Christopher Pike, yeah. Yeah, yes, that's right. So, I mean, you know, he, he's far from finished, so I'm sure he'll come up with something even better. But at the moment, Midnight Mass is my favorite thing he's done. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, the other tradition that we have on the podcast is to ask guests for a final girl song. So this is the song that would be playing if you were the final girl at the end of a horror movie. Um, okay, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go with Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. It's going to be my final I girl song. I love it. <laughs> so this is like, is this like covered in Blood Victorious or is this like fighting off the bad guys? Yeah, I think it's fighting off the bad guys and, um, you know, definitely dodging the bullets and fighting off the bad guys and running. Definitely. I think Paradise City works for that. All right. Awesome. Well, I will add it to the playlist and I think it's definitely a good fit for the <laughs> for the vibe we have going there. Well, 
Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, my website is SimoneStJames.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, Simone St. James, and on Twitter, Simone underscore St. James. And I have, I'm on Instagram too, just Simone St. James on Instagram. All right. Well, fantastic. So check that out. And the Book of Cold Cases comes out March 15th. 15th. Yep. So you can check that out wherever you get books. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on Facebook, and on TikTok at Books in the Freezer. And you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. I don't usually get to share my chilling obsessions, but I just watched the movie Fresh on, well, here in the U.S., it's on Hulu, starring Sebastian Stan, and it was really good. I don't know what I expected going into it. I honestly kind of put it on just to have it on in the background while I was doing other things, but I realized I had stopped doing other things and was just sitting down watching the movie. It was so entertaining. I honestly don't want to say too much about it because it just is best to go in completely blind and just know that I recommend it. That is my chilling obsession this week. So if you've watched Fresh, definitely let me know what you've thought of it or let me know what you've been enjoying this week. What is your chilling obsession? But ending with some housekeeping. So if you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. I would say the main way is to become a Patreon supporter. You go to patreon.com slash books in the freezer and there is a one, three and a five dollar level and a new annual option. So like instead of paying one, three or five dollars a month, you can pay a one time and I think you actually get a discount if you choose to go that way. Uh, but there's different perks at the different levels. There's uh, early episode releases. There's group chats. There's bonus episodes. So just look through that if that's something that sounds interesting to you. You can also use the Amazon link in the show notes of this episode. That just takes you to Amazon. You do whatever normal shopping you would usually do. And a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. If you want a way to support the podcast without spending any money, there's ways to do that as well. One of them is to leave a review on a site like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, we're honestly just talking about it on social media and sharing about the show is extremely helpful. Word of mouth is huge for like small indie podcasts like this. So thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that. I very much appreciate it. I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read and that's That's with two A's. So thank you for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 